Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, and welcome to the Cookbook Circle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Victoria. And we've set out to review the UK's most popular cookbooks, those that you probably have at home and haven't opened in a while. We take one cookbook each episode to cook from and to stretch test, digging out their best recipes, bringing them to life again, and hopefully inspiring you to do so too. Hello, Victoria. Hi, Anna. How are you doing? I am good. It's summer, apparently. We're talking about the weather again. But this is what we do. It's all we have. A very, very grey morning in London this morning, and it is July. So that's good. Very depressing. What have you been looking at, loving, coveting? So my, you know, hot thing that I want to talk about this week, <laughs> my hot thing. Ooh, your catchphrase. This is the hot thing segment. <laughs> is uh, It's a book that I have thought about for a while, but we've not talked about it on the pod before. But it's Claire Saffitz of Bon Appetit fame's Dessert Person Ooh, yes. book. And it's been kind of following me around the internet, which it probably has for most people since it came out. And if it came out this year or last year, I have a feeling that maybe it came out for, for Christmas. Okay, yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you you definitely have seen it. It's got that beautiful citrus cake on the yeah. front with oranges. Or I don't know if it's grapefruits. All the same. On the front. And it's like dessert person. And it's like, just good. <laughs> And I've been thinking about it. I haven't bought it yet, but it's a little bit of an expensive book because it's like an American import, as they all are. Quite expensive. But this week I saw on Instagram, Felicity Spectre had cooked the honey tahini challah bread from the book. And I was like, I need that in my life. Yeah, yeah. It looks so good. And I had a little look at the the list of recipes in it. And like just, you know, to think like, do I want this book really? Um, Because as we know, I'm not a huge baker. Like... You're just a normal size baker. I am. Just a, I'm not even a tiny baker. I'm just a hold me close now, tiny baker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. But there's some really good, there's some really amazing sounding recipes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's my addition Sorry. for uh, X Factor this year, <laughs> including kabocha turmeric tea cake. Wow. How trendy, getting all those like buzz ingredients in there. <laughs> I love a kabocha, can I just say? Did you know I lived in Japan? And they eat that a lot there. And I was like, I'm very keen for it. So creamy, such a creamy pumpkin, which is her band name for the week. (laughs) Yeah, peach melba tart. Lovely. Peanut butter and Concord grape sandwich cookies. I'd probably die for those. Yes, they sound amazing. What is a Concord grape? I guess we'll never know. That's such an American thing. It flies really fast across the Atlantic. <laughs> Got yeah. Well, not clearly not fast enough because I've never seen Concord grapes in the shop here. I feel like the Americans specify fruits a lot more than we do. You know what I mean? A Concord grape, key limes. Yeah. Like that. They're the only examples I have. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Well, some of the books we've done before, you know, oh, you need a Japanese aubergine or a something. I guess it's just because they have, you know. Choice. Yeah. They have different climates so they can grow things. Whereas we're like, you just take the lime that you get in Tesco, mate. Literally. Yeah. It also has a whole breads and savory baking section. We love that. Yeah. I was mostly interested in the all allium deep dish quiche. Don't love a quiche, but all allium sounds great. Yeah. And the pull apart sour cream and chive rolls. So <sighs> yeah. I'm putting it on my birthday list. Okay. Noted. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the, that sounds great. That's the book that we are not talking about this week. We are not talking about that book this week. But we're staying in America. We are. Are we? <laughs> I don't know. You know the deets. I do know the deets. I will share the deets. First, I will remind you what we do here in case this is your first time joining us and you're a crazy person. <laughs> Vic and I put together all the lists that we could find online of the best cookbooks ever. We put them into one big old master list and then we've taken the most mentioned books from that big master list. We take one each episode. We leaf through it. I won't say we read it. We browse. <laughs> we cook from it. We talk about it. And then we rate it. And this episode's book is... Joy of cooking. cooking. You know, they dropped the the. Oh, they did? Mm. Yeah, it used to be the joy of cooking, but they, they got rid of that. It was holding them back, I guess. I would like to suggest that to Stephanie Alexander's team as well. You just want it to be Cook's Companion? Yeah. Okay. Because the the always throws me. You need an article, though. You need... I'm a grammar. I'm a grammar Nazi. I know. I, I just rolled my eyes at Hannah when she said that. I was like, yeah, but... Is it easier for me to write and say if it's just Cook's Companion? And it's a nice, it's alliterative, you know. Okay. I'm about the vibes and you're about the grammar. <laughs> I think Cook's Companion has better vibes. Anyway, we're not talking about that book this week. Right, let me tell you about Joy of Cooking. Please. So this was written by Irma Rombauer. Great name, can I just say. It is a great name. And her daughter, Marion Rombauer Becker, is credited as well. I'll get to that in a bit. Like I said in the last episode, I think this is definitely the oldest book that we've done, right? So Irma was born in 1877. Holy fuck. Yeah, died in 1962. Fun fact about Irma, she was born in St. Louis in Missouri. Oh. Her, yeah, this fun kind of timely fact. Her half-brother was Max C. Starkloff, who introduced social distancing during the 1918 flu pandemic. Hey! He's the original, the bro. He, <laughs> he helped us out in COVID. Wow, this very successful family. I know, they are quite successful. So the kind of foundation of the book is quite sad in that Irma Rambara's husband committed suicide. And it was the Great Depression and she had no money and she was really worried she didn't have a career. And obviously to make a living, but also to help her through her grief, she decided to make this cookbook. But she wasn't known as a great cook. Um, she, in her biography by Anne Mendelssohn, they say that her family were like, this is the worst idea. <laughs> like, she's a terrible cook. It's a nice thing to say to your grieving mother, isn't it? <laughs> I know, it's pretty cool. She saw an opportunity to create something practical and instructive um, that had like good food for all budgets, all skill levels, kind of like, you know, our vibe. She wants things to be accessible, like easy to do, not crazy expensive. And another person from St. Louis had published a cookbook in 1929 featuring crazy expensive ingredients and decadent dishes. And I think that kind of pissed her off, basically. Mm. I and mean, she was like, this isn't the time. We need to be making accessible recipes. So oh, she's like, girl. I love Irma, basically, is what I've concluded here. So while she didn't know how to cook, 
she was apparently a great host and her biographer wrote this about her which I think is really nice no one could be long in her diminutive presence without sensing an air of concentrated intelligence strength self-possession charm and dignity that seemed to sweep all before it except that she knew how to soften it with disarming feminine self-deprecation and sheer fun oh she's us it's like looking in a mirror basically yeah we love (laughs) self-deprecation and sheer fun and I don't know if you saw this, like, there's so much of her character throughout this book as well. Yeah. I don't know if you saw on the peanut butter and bacon sandwich. In the little intro, she writes, virtue, however admirable, is frequently dull. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, Sarah, love you. So basically, the way that she went about making this book was she was really well connected. She had loads of friends. So she started collecting loads of recipes from her friends and their families. And these were kind of hand-me-downs or really tried and tested recipes. Once she collected all of them, she went home and she tested them and she tweaked them to her liking. And then when she was happy with the bunch that she had she organized it into the book forum she called it the joy of cooking a compilation of reliable recipes with a casual culinary chat and she self-published she had 3,000 copies printed up by a local print shop um and it was 395 pages back then and it's obviously yeah grown quite a lot since then so then she just did everything herself she mailed out copies of the cookbook from her house she did all the publicity and the sales campaigns and she was like a great advocate of her own book by the sounds of it and because she had she sounds like she had this great personality right so it was kind of infectious yeah and then um the publisher Bob's Merrill picked up the professional publishing of the book in 1936 and with the debut of the second edition and then since then it's just become this massive book and when you look online it's just I think it's very similar to maybe like Cook's Companion in Australia in that this is a Bible that people hand down to their families. It feels like that for sure. Yeah. So there's been a new edition basically every decade. So, and it keeps changing. It's like a living, breathing thing. So they keep adding or taking away different things. So in the 1936 edition, that's the only one that has a chapter to souffles. (laughs) And then the 1943 edition had um, like a wartime rationing section oh cool but the sixth edition in 1975 is considered by many to be the best or the truest to the book's vision and that was the last one to be edited by Marion Rombauer Becker who was Irma's daughter Mm. she had lots of help from her husband and her son Ethan yeah it's it's just one of the best loved ones I read this interesting piece on Bon Appetit that um, was called the obsessive sport of shopping for a vintage joy of cooking (laughs) and a lot of people look for this squirrel illustration, which I don't know if you have it in yours, but I have it in mine on page 515. Oh, and it's oh, it's how to skin a squirrel. How to yes, skin a I squirrel. did see that. Yes, it's pretty, um, it's pretty gruesome. <laughs> yeah, I do have it. There's a boot involved. It's a boot. Yeah, they just cut the squirrel's skin, and then there's like a picture of a or a little drawing of a boot standing on the squirrel tail and like a hand just pulling up the skin (laughs) yeah like taking a jumper off a child but like upside down and with a boot that's not how I take jumpers off children okay you're never babysitting for me (laughs) 
But um, just in terms of other different editions, there was a 1997 edition that had loads of starry chefs and celebrity food writers. And people did not like this at all. They said it was heresy. And then in 2006, it kind of returned to its classic joy edition. And then, yeah, it's just been passed down the family. So John Becker, who is Irma's great grandson and his wife, they're now the fourth generation in charge of the franchise. And they just released a new edition in 2019 that had loads of new shit in there, like ramen, oh, nice. um, Anzac biscuits, eaten mess, ingredients that had come about, like umeboshi and stuff like that. So they're always kind of updating and trying to keep it relevant and timely, which is quite cool. Yeah. Like, I don't think you could say that from many cookbooks. It's just like bash it out, one edition, whereas this just keeps evolving. Yeah, that's amazing. It's just really widely loved. There's very little criticism of this book. The New Yorker said that the only negative about it or that people have to say about it is that it's more of a general reference volume rather than like a recipe go-to. But they defend that and say that there's loads of recipe books out there. So, you know, it's almost a compliment to say that this is like the reference book. And yeah, I don't know if you noticed in the book, but there's loads of recipes that have the word cocaine at the end of them. Yeah, I did notice that. And I was very confused. I was very confused. I thought it was a technique or a way of cooking something and then Googled it and it's actually in the foreword as well. Oops, but... we got caught out there then. For not... <laughs> Sorry, Irma. We just jumped straight in there. <laughs> in our defence, it's massive. It's 900 pages long. I think every book has been massive now. So yeah. Just take it for granted that it's a massive <laughs> book <laughs> if we're talking about it. But the, um, the cocaine thing is because there are so many recipes in this and people tend to say to, to Marion or to whoever in the family, what, what are your favorite recipes? Their way of kind of denoting their favorite recipes was to put the word cocaine at the end of each oh. of the, their favorite recipes, which is weird, but cute. I mean, they could have just. <laughs> put like a little tick or something yeah. I like it it's cool yeah it's interesting because like there is in the front of the book there's like a, a key right that's got these yeah. different symbols that they use there's like an arrow and a little icicle for frozen foods and a, a blender and stuff so they could have put it in there right like they, yeah, then they yeah. should have said if it's something cocaine then it's, it's one of our yeah. faves or it's a family fave or whatever it's a special one but you know they keep you guessing they make you read which is you know good for the kids but yeah I mean there's so much to say and there's tons of stuff online there's like biographies about Irma I probably haven't even done it justice but it's just an incredible piece of work what a great story yeah I love it too I feel like I love it I love her even more now I know I love it yeah what were your first impressions of the book so yeah it, like I said it's big it's massive but that's part of the course these days with our with our pod books but it is it felt quite intimidating I guess when it arrived there's some like sketches as you mentioned the squirrel in here there's there's no pictures it's all black and white and it's very densely packed like yeah. if I go to any given page there's at least four maybe five recipes on it like it's not like your standard cookbook it's like one per page so I was a bit worried about where to start but yeah. what I did love is so at the beginning there's this like there's like a menu mm-hmm. section which I loved and I initially wanted to like I wanted to cook a whole menu so there's breakfast and brunch menus and then there's luncheon menus the luncheon goes on for ages it goes to the fish meat eggs dinner for family and friends and then like fancy dinners and there's even like a wedding menu suggestion and 
I think that's a good that that is a good place to start because it shows you what she thinks or what they think goes together. Yeah, that was helpful in getting to understand the kind of book that it is. I mean, some of it's pretty like <laughs> really gross. But I, so I have the 1975 version. So we're still with like there's an aspic section. Apples stuffed with sauerkraut was one that I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like interesting things that you maybe maybe in the more modern editions that aren't which would be a shame actually yeah like i didn't know what timbale was i know and there's a whole section on in the egg section of timbales i googled it and it's like a little like you cook it in a ring yeah and like layer it kind of a custardy thing yeah you make like a, a not a sweet custard like a savory custard right and yeah then... i think so add different things like veggies or meat or whatever there's a definite theme of like rings this was obviously a time of everyone's got these like cooking rings then you put yeah, yeah, things yeah. in like a lot of the rices you put in a in a ring and yeah <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. um i love that i was also very surprised and delighted at how many like international recipes are in here i know there's loads of kind of german sounding recipes there's there's japanese recipes there's yeah i think i saw a burmese recipe like for its time amazing it's yeah. incredible there's pictures even of like chopsticks and how to eat the you know things yeah. from different cultures and i was like that is so great absolutely there's loads of um <laughs> Irma was doing it before it was cool but the loads of sourdough stuff as well this like yes. sourdough chocolate cake I thought that was yeah really ahead of its time it's really impressive yeah so I think once you got into it and like you said it does feel very cook's companion for an American audience because it's there's very American things in here yeah like the baking section the breads and the cookies and the yeah. uh the christmas section not it's not christmas section but the, there's various christmas bits in here and it all, all feels very american yeah. which I, I love you don't get that very often no totally did you see the um cheese carrots <laughs> no that sounds disgusting <laughs> you um grate some yellow cheese you moisten with cream or salad dressing and you shape them into small carrots and place a sprig of parsley on the end so it looks like a little carrot. What, what a surprise for, for someone. <laughs> there were so many of those recipes. There was the turtle soup as well. Yes, which I was like, oh, that's a euphemism for something. But no, yeah. it's, it's real turtles. Yeah, or terrapin if you're feeling it. <laughs> but you can just buy a can of that. <laughs> one of the recipes I saw was like oh, just a, a, a can of turtle soup I was like oh the Campbells make that <laughs> gross did you see as well in the uh, drink section that she suggests as a, a, a non-alcoholic drink you just serve some uh, chicken broth over ice oh no broth on the rocks she calls it yeah she just she thinks it makes a nice little tipple um, I mean you know she's head of the bone broth lads <laughs> the keto bone broth lads who think it's gonna revitalize your innards totally ice though you'd get like a scum of like fat don't sorry not the word scum no <laughs> sorry lads <laughs> Yeah, and it's, she does do have a good overview of ways to cook things. Like, so if there's ever like a, a donut, for example, or like a croquette, yeah. as she always says at the beginning of the recipe, go and read about deep frying foods. And there's a, and there's yeah, a chapter, yeah. well, not a chapter, but there's a few paragraphs about how to deep fry foods effectively. Yeah. There's no expectation of skill. You, it's all there up for learning. Yeah, she assumes nothing, yeah. which is quite nice. So, which is, I guess, that's what she was trying to do, right? She was trying to yeah. help 
help the sisters out <laughs> struggling with the great depression. i didn't think anything was too difficult i didn't see a, a recipe apart from maybe the skinning a squirrel which felt like oh this is a project or something that would take me a long time or that it just definitely feels no. like it's all like kind of weeknight good for the whole family yeah. did you see the high altitude section as well mm. she, she has like a section on high altitude cakes for baking at like five thousand feet which it's just mental. I never even thought about how altitude would affect. Yeah. Baking on a plane. <laughs> Bakes on a plane. God damn it. <laughs> Bakes on a plane. I guess she's just thinking about those people that live in like Denver and yeah. the Rockies and a lot of, uh, and I think this is, is probably, it was very like 70s, 60s, 70s thing, right? Yeah. A lot of like meat and sweet. Mm lot of pineapple happening mm -hmm. with ham which is obviously that's a thing still yeah but like you know like pineapple french toast where you put like egg and pineapple juice yeah. in the eggy bread mixture and then you serve it as a sandwich with ham and i was like i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> love that there's a whole sandwich section though i've got i can't respect that anymore like <laughs> Not enough sandwich sections in recipe books, in my opinion. <laughs> I completely agree. But yeah, there are some weird combinations. When I first opened it, I was I was just laughing because all I could see were these mental recipes. Like, yeah, there's like a mock mayonnaise made with evaporated milk and stuff like oh. that. And I was just like, what are we doing here? And all the vegetable recipes that I looked at seemed to be deep fried. <laughs> Here's how you make your veg. Stick it in a load of oil. But then when you get into it, there is there's good stuff in there. There's also a whole chapter on how to use canned soups to make other things. <laughs> Which is the most American thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, oh, you've got a can of mushroom soup and you make it into like a noodle casserole or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, a spaghetti bake. Oh, yeah. There's, all of that is in here, yeah. which I think is fascinating. But I guess that, that was it. Like tins of soup were cheap, are cheap still. And that's an easy way to, uh, you know, cook. Yeah. She has a quick tomato sauce, I think, which is like, use soup. <laughs> Thomas Keller is like fuming, <laughs> chomping at the bit at this recipe. This is the anti-Thomas Keller, this yeah. book. It's everything different from the French Laundry. I love it. What a joy. <laughs> I got my book secondhand, as we often do. And mine has hmm. a little inscription, which I don't know if it's really sweet or really sad, <laughs> to, to Magdalene, wishing you the many joys of marriage. And she's capitalised joys. See what she did there? Joy of cooking, joys of marriage. I see what she did there. Love, Dolores. Oh. It makes me wonder what happened to Magdalene's marriage. <laughs> is it over now? My hope is that Madeline just got so rich she didn't have to cook for herself and didn't need this book anymore. Yeah, let's go with that one. Of her own money, not her husband's money. <laughs> of course. I also got, I don't have an inscription, but I got a ex libris little slip oh, yeah. in mine from Henrietta Wadsworth. It's very beautiful. I'll put a picture of it up. So thank you to those people for, you know, Isn't passing it on, getting it done. So, Victoria, what did you make? What did I cook? Well, I made three things. Good. Um, a plus. Yeah. <laughs> you that's it end of episode all felt i didn't feel stressed or worried about anything yeah. which is great yeah. for me <laughs> after tom which is i guess it's a testament to this book so two out of three are baking i was wow. i loved that yeah i loved the baking section and the cookies and it felt very american and i love that stuff so first of all i made the clover leaf rolls oh, no way. which anything i'm fascinated by in american cuisine it's like dinner rolls yes. like it's not something we have here and they all just look so lovely 
lovely. So fluffy. Yeah, so fluffy. So I think the original, the dinner rolls that you see are the Parker House rolls, which I see quite a lot of people talking about making these Parker House rolls, which are in this book. So the dough I used for these clover leaf rolls is Parker House rolls dough. But these just seemed a bit more fun. So I did them like this. So it's like an enriched dough. Right. But not like, it's not like a milk bread. It hasn't got cream or anything in it. So it's got, it's a cup of milk, which you, what did she say? Like, scold when she talks about heating up milk she says scald a cup of milk wow um you add to the milk two tablespoons of butter some sugar and some salt you add that to some yeast and an egg if you want to you don't have to add an egg i added an egg i remembered it this time um (laughs) and then it's two and a half cups of flour so it's not like the ratios aren't like i said they're not super milky or buttery yeah but when you leave it to rise you brush the top with melted butter nice so for these ones, after it's risen once, yeah. you knock it back and then you get a muffin tin right? and you pull little balls uh, off, off the dough and roll them up and you put three little balls into each muffin tin ah. and then you let it rise again. So they, they look like little clover leaves, yeah. I guess, and they come up like little muffins and then you bake them. Yeah. You know, you brush them with melted butter, of course, again. What I will say about this book, and maybe you found the same thing, is that because it's quite old you have to keep an eye on stuff in the oven because i think the temperature and the timings are made for ovens in 1975 or even the 1930s so yeah i think i maybe cooked them a little bit too long because i was going by her instructions and i think also i made them i definitely made them bigger because these recipes particularly in the baking section they're massive this is meant to make 24 two inch rolls yes and I don't need 24 fucking dinner rolls. But anyway, I made 12. So yeah, they come up. They look like little muffins when they come out. Cute. They were great. Aww. Like hot out of the oven. You could just eat about four of them. Just alone. Yeah, we, d- we didn't add anything to them. Because oh, yeah. they're buttery anyway. Yeah, and kind sure. of like they've got that. A little bit sweet. Exactly. Just, yeah, perfect probably to have on your table for dinner. Definitely better warm. Not as good cold. I warmed a couple up the next morning for breakfast and put some peanut butter on. They'd be great. They'd also be great with like jam. Yeah. They're a hit. Yeah. I definitely would make them again. They'd be a fun like thing to serve to people because like i say we don't have them like i don't know i mean obviously you make a lot of bread so maybe like if you had a dinner party or whatever you would serve a loaf of bread yeah. but maybe that's just not as done here but i'm starting it you come to mine for a dinner party there's gonna be dinner rolls i love it <laughs> so that's my first one my second baking thing was the quick oatmeal cookies Ooh, fun yeah so i I've been wanting to make some oatmeal cookies, some oatmeal, some OT cookies Mm. for a while since basically I got that massive order of my beans and oats from Hodmadods. And I just got all of these bags of oats in my cupboard and I just can't get on board with porridge. I can't do it. It doesn't have the textural joy for me. (laughs) Sorry to everyone that loves it, but I just can't. I can't. A lot of people overcook porridge, I think. And it's to the point where it's just yeah I don't think it needs to be cooked that long and you also need a pinch of salt yeah I think I love like a crunchy texture in anything like so I just think I can't eat a whole bowl of the same kind of sloppy no it's not for me and I'm just not a big fan of milk. So I think that that doesn't help. Um, anyway, yeah. so out of these oats. <laughs> right. An oaty cookie is just great, especially because it's a great sweet treat to have in the house. It feels kind of healthy. Um, yeah. You can eat it for breakfast. And literally the day my book arrived, right, I texted you and I was like, do you have an, a good oat cookie recipe? Because I want to make yeah. some. And I never texted you back. <laughs> 
classic. Bye. I didn't have one anyway. Yeah. So the cookie section, like I said, and the breads and everything and the cakes and this. So once I saw that, I was like, I know that she's going to have one. And she does the quick oatmeal or wheat flake cookies is the whole recipe title. So I was like, boom, oat cookies ahoy. I, I won't really go into it, but it's a very standard recipe um, yes. for cookies. Yeah. It's been, meant to make three dozen again. Wow. I know. Opposite this one, there's a recipe for Pfeffernus, which I don't know what they are, but I guess it's a, it's a German cookie. What a fun word. Yeah. Pfeffernus. Pfeffernus. Um, and that recipe makes 180 <laughs> one-inch balls. <laughs> I mean, like cooking for the troops, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, I thought this was helping, you know, on every budget. Like, who needs 180 cookies in their house? So, yeah, it's butter, sugar, eggs, yeah. milk. Um, and then equal parts oats and flour, which we'll come back to. Okay. And there's a suggestion at the bottom to add anything of the following. So chocolate chips, raisins or flaked coconut. So I added both chocolate chips and raisins because I am Ooh. hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> it, they were great. They were really, like, really? good. Yeah, so I, I think the first batch, I kind of I made the balls too big, Classic. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of balls going on in my recipes today. <laughs> um, Who did we curse about the balls? David Thompson, right? How many balls? <laughs> how many balls, David? Well, she's very, she's, you know, she's very clear about how many balls. <laughs> um, but that, that, that is my issue with this recipe in particular. She doesn't say how big your ball should be. Pick <laughs> <laughs> um, your cookie I'm scoop. so sorry should be and obviously they spread so she says it makes three dozen two inch cookies but like how big does your ball yeah. have to be to make a two inch cookie so my first my first go they were too big so i made them okay. smaller they were great uh again i sit on the soft side of cookies okay. when you home bake them rather than the crunchy side so i had to watch them so they didn't catch and go too far but they were great they really were i wow like I said, would prefer more oats. Next okay. time I would, I, I want an oaty cookie. You couldn't really tell that there was oats in them, ah. which is a shame because yeah, it was equal parts and yeah. also there was chocolate chips and raisins and there's a lot going on. So I'd add more oat or if anyone's got a great oaty cookie, then please let me know. But have I stopped eating them? No. Did I have two for breakfast this morning? Yes. <laughs> a great cookie. I'm glad I did them. It's an easy, easy way to use up your oats. <laughs> Felt like the pioneer woman loved it great um, that's so good yeah and look at me all in the baking, all in yeah. the baking section so then I was stressed out and I was like oh, I've got to get like a savory you know like a, a real meal dish in. why do we stress ourselves out about this stuff it's I don't know nice. like does anyone care tell us please yeah let us know if you care <laughs> because we care too much <laughs> so I got my veg box. It, like you said about the vegetables, like they're not super interesting ways of cooking mm. vegetables. It's just like how to prep that vegetable, which is great and fine. Yeah, yeah. But it felt like it was a bit of a cop out yeah. to do. I mean, I say this and then you'll hear what I've actually cooked. <laughs> but so in the end, what I cooked was the rice baked in chicken stock. Oh. So very simple. Yeah. And the reason I did this was, firstly, it wasn't feeling very well yesterday. And that's when I uh, cooked it. And... <laughs> There's a story. Here's a st story in coming. Here we go. When I was at university, my friend Liv, my very good friend Liv, who is made of one at my wedding and I love her dearly. When you were feeling a bit shit, maybe hungover, yeah. or maybe just sick, fresh as flu or whatnot, she would make this amazing, like she called it sticky rice. Okay. And we were at uni, we were poor. It was magic. It was like rice 
cooked down with a stock cube okay. until it went like sticky, basically. Yeah. And I just loved it. And I think about it all the time, particularly when I'm not feeling very well. Right. And it's one of those like food memories that like, I wish I'd ask her to cook it for me again. Or yeah. like, this is your chance. Liv, get on it. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. She's a midwife now. So she's not busy at all. <laughs> she hasn't had a busy year at all, like working in the NHS. So she, she's come around and cooked for me. <laughs> I saw this and I was like, I wonder if this tastes like live sticky rice. Right. Let me give it a go. Yeah. And also it just sounds like a nice way to eat rice. Yeah, comforting. So there's this recipe from the the quick roasting tin book that I have that we make that is a similar thing. And it's like, it's rice and then like chicken stock. And it's got like, you put chicken and tomatoes and peanut butter. And it's incredible. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like a bit weird, but it's great. And I just love that that taste of rice and chicken stock. Anyway, this is boring. So I made it. So here's how you make it. Very easy. You yeah. So you use like a oven-proof dish, a fireproof cashew dish, which I used. Fry an onion in some butter. Yeah. Add the rice. Coat that up. Add your chicken stock. So it's one cup of rice and two cups of chicken stock. And then put that in the oven for about 25 minutes. And then when it comes out... You then have to stir two tablespoons of butter through it. Loving all this butter, actually. Yeah, I know. So much, there is a lot of butter in this. Great. And it was lovely. It was too buttery for me. Um, I shouldn't have added so much butter, but you know, I was living by the recipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a kind of a cop out dish, but it tasted lovely. It wasn't quite like live sticky. Wasn't chickeny enough, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Um, but it was really nice. Like again, quite plain. And so if you don't love plain rice, yeah, yeah. which I do, and I could eat it in its droves, but like it's a nice way to like spice up your rice if if that's what you're into and serve it on the side with something. So it sounds pretty boring, but you know, I really enjoyed it and it did settle me a little bit in my not feeling very well. If you ever write a cookbook, please can you call it Spice Up Your Rice? <laughs> yes. I think that <laughs> it was, there's something in that I don't have that many recipes <laughs> because I just really like plain rice just hook it up to my veins don't spice up your rice that's my cookbook it's, it's a very small book it's, it's five pages long it's just with different rice and how you cook them to yeah, be yeah. perfect to eat on their own yeah great. so that was me had a really great time there was loads of stuff that I could have cooked um but didn't obviously yeah what did you cook I cooked again yeah like you said so many of them are really simple that I feel like I've done three cup out dishes <laughs> because everything was like quite easy yeah I was enjoying it because you know like we said the last episode wasn't great crack so um <laughs> sorry Tom sorry I welcomed the simplicity. So the first thing that I made, you know, I love toast. Yeah. Anytime I see a toast recipe, <laughs> usually very complex. <laughs> um, I can't resist. So I did the puffed cheese with mushrooms on toast. Oh, there's a lot of puffed things in there, isn't there? Love that. Yeah. I just love the word puffed. It's a great word. <laughs> yeah. Puffed cheese, puffed to potatoes, puffed sweet potatoes. I saw it all. Yeah. So last weekend I made sourdough because I'm just that basic. But I made a Marmite cheese one. Oh, yeah. It was so good that I was like, oh, I bet this would be really good. So I used that as the toast for it. But basically, you just cook off some mushrooms and onion. And then separately, you heat egg yolk and cheese and salt and pepper and a little bit of cayenne. And then you put that into the mushroom and onion mixture. And then separately, you whip up some egg whites oh. till they're stiff but not dry. And then you kind of fold. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> That's our band for the week. Our second band for the week. Stiff but not dry. So you fold these egg whites into the mixture. So I guess it like lightens it mm. a little bit. You toast some bread on one side. You put the cheese mixture on the 
other side and then you bake the oh. toast and it I think it was meant to puff up a little bit more than it did I probably didn't whip my egg whites enough but it was really yummy it was very delicious and it was almost like you know Welsh rare bit yeah vibes but with mushrooms and yeah I would definitely do it again I thought it was great it looked very ugly so I'm sorry about that in advance it's gonna say I can't imagine what it, I, ca- I can't really imagine it but I'm excited to see a picture oh don't be okay <laughs> but I just I I can't really imagine it but if you think it's like a Welsh rare bit but then puffy yeah and the, you can see the mushrooms in there so it just mm. looks like cheesy mushrooms on toast I guess with enriched with an egg but um yeah it was great I inhaled mm. it loved it and it was really good with the marmite bread so yeah that sounds you know umami as fuck <laughs> the second thing I made was a bit of a hybrid or I kind of oh. cheated a little bit I got um a butternut squash in my odd box and just looked up her she's got a whole squash section and she's got lovely illustrations of the different types of squashes and yeah she's got some you know very simple recipe of how you just cook a squash basically <laughs> roast it like a potato <laughs> that's what I thought about because yeah. I do squash as well there's a steamed stuffed summer squash so mm-hmm. I did that, but with the butternut squash, which mm-hmm. isn't a summer squash, it's a winter squash. Sorry. Oh my God. I didn't steam it because I thought it would be too big to steam. I think the squashes she was talking about were like the little, you know, the little guys. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. what I did was I just baked it whole and then picked up the recipe from there. Yeah. Okay. I didn't really stick to it. But the main part is what you do after the stuffing. Yeah. The stuffing. So when the, when the squash is cooked, you, you slice it in half, you take out the pulp and then you mix that with like paprika Worcester sauce garlic onion breadcrumbs cheese there's cheese in every recipe that I've done by the way just a heads up and of course curry powder or dry mustard cheese and curry and squash it's a bit weird but I'm kind of into it it's like a weird it's a bit sweet yeah but anyway basically you mix all that up you put it back into the butternut squash shell and then you put that back in the oven quite retro I think like stuffing vegetables and all that is like yeah so much stuffing in this yeah yeah you literally just bake it for 10 minutes till it's hot and it's kind of cheesy on top again yeah to your point I think 10 minutes was probably a bit too long because the oven was quite hot but it was actually really nice like I said that's a funny kind of combination but Mm. I never thought about cooking a squash that way and it was something new and I think I would do it again I think I would do it again yeah <laughs> it was like, nice. like a little weeknight yeah it's how to make like one vegetable into a meal basically and I bet you benefited from roasting it rather than steaming it because you just don't but you don't get the flavor of squash or, or really any vegetable if you steam it absolutely roasting squash particularly right really brings out the good shit yeah, quite a nice like sweetness. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was that. That was fun. And then the last thing that I made was cheese muffins. Oh, a muffin gang today. Yeah, cheese, cheese, and more cheese. This is very simple. But she had yeah, she has a whole section on muffins. And like you said before, you start the recipe. She's like, please read about muffins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mom. And refers you back to a previous page. So you're like, okay, I'll read about the muffins. But yeah, yeah, super simple. I just did it on lunchtime yesterday, but it's like flour, baking powder, sugar, salt, cheese, and then you mix in some egg and milk and butter. She's very emphatic about not overmixing muffins, that like there should still be kind of, you're not going for a really smooth batter, basically. And 
yeah, she tells you like how far up the tin they should be wow. and everything. So it's quite precise, which is nice. And then, yeah, you just bake them. I think it's about 20 minutes or so. And they were lovely. They were more like almost like, yeah, they were quite bready, I mm-hmm. guess. I took a picture of the inside as well. And yeah, more maybe bready than muffiny, I guess. But they're savory, so that figures. I thought that like they would just be a great base for to add some herbs or to add some like chili or you could really add to that recipe yeah. and just use it as a base. Chili would be so nice. Yeah, it would be really good. And maybe like, I don't know if you wanted to put in feta or something like that as well that could be lovely they were really good when they were just out of the oven Mm. obviously like warmy cheesy bready yeah heaven and then i toasted some this morning and put some butter on oh nice and that was really nice i would say yeah yeah, like when they were out of the oven i did spread some butter on as well because (laughs) i was just eating them and i was like this is missing something and it's always butter (laughs) the answer is always butter there you go so they were great I would definitely make them again and I would um play around with the recipe a lot and add different things but yeah they're a fun little a fun little bready thing that's good look at us baking up a storm I know thanks to Irma (laughs) thanks Irms but they were just three very quick simple things but that was great because yeah like you said it wasn't stressful and I didn't have to go and buy loads of ingredients I basically had Mm. everything that's one thing yeah me too yeah I will say it's just like most of the ingredients you probably have at home (laughs) so it's just really accessible that way yeah i agree is there anything that you didn't cook that you would like to have cooked the squirrel obviously squirrel yeah <laughs> gonna get my boots out um <laughs> loads of stuff actually there's popovers as well and yes I, I saw those would love to make popovers a lot of baking stuff there was these pecan slices mm-hmm. i don't know if you saw them i was really close to making them but i'd already done loads of sweet baking this week but she says in the intro to that recipe that many a copy of joy has been sold on the strength of this recipe wow so I really would love to make that. I love pecans. Favourite of the peanuts. All the peanuts are the best ones. There's saltwater taffy in here as well. And I don't really know what that is. So I want to make it. <laughs> I've just seen it on TV. And I like saying saltwater taffy. So. Yeah. Is it toffee? Is it fudge? Or... I think it's like a candy kind of thing. Oh, candy. candy. There was corn fritters, which I just love a corn fritter. Yeah. A lot. There's a whole fritter section, right? They all look great. Cornbread. I would like to try her recipe. Like the, All mm-hmm. that American yeah. bacon. There's like beignets in there as well yes I saw the beignets and I was like yes and, uh, some of her cocktail recipes and punch yeah they look like they would make for a great night she was really good at entertaining <laughs> one has like one bottle of white rum one bottle of dark rum <laughs> of course easy you know just get fucked (laughs) don't bother with the food afterwards yeah so yeah there was so much and like we've said it's just so massive i keep seeing something new every time similar to cook's companion yeah i've just seen the the birthday bread horse (laughs) did you see that no but i wanted (laughs) and there's a little picture oh my god (laughs) it's a horse made of bread is it a thoroughbred hey wow let's just leave it there (laughs) mic drop i'm so sorry wow no don't ever apologize that was great (laughs) i also would like to have tried um some of the bit more weird stuff yeah like i was trying to convince my husband to let me cook (laughs) poached eggs in tomato soup (laughs) how'd that go down how did that conversation go it it was in one of the um one of the the brunch yes i love the brunch menu the brunch menu is eggs poached in tomato soup so so you poach them in the soup just to be clear you don't poach them separately and then put them in the soup it's an early shakshuka (laughs) 
<laughs> or a cheat shakshuka. Shakshuka 101. I, I just like to understand how, like, do you have to really boil the tomato soup? <laughs> like, it's like really bubbling away and you're like, you that's literally what you do. You, anyway, so I didn't make that <laughs> because I didn't know how well it would go down. Well, it, according to the, my husband's reaction, it wouldn't go down. <laughs> and then in my odd box, I got radishes. So I was oh. like, oh, I wonder if she has any radish recipes. Yeah. She doesn't, but here's what she says about radishes. Transforming red or white radishes into clever garnishes fascinates the young. And the allure endures. If you've read Peeps, you know that... He ate buttered radishes at William Penn's. Worth trying too, especially with black ones. I understood about 10% of that. <laughs> so basically, if you're young, you'd be fascinated by a radish cut into a strange shape. Has she heard of TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a massive bag of radishes. I need to know what to do with them. And I just, there's only so many you can eat. I might pickle them. Or go find some young people and just fascinate <laughs> them with your radish art. <laughs> Maybe I'd start, yeah, like you said, start a radish TikTok channel. <laughs> and fascinate them bring their two great loves together are we gonna have to do a tiktok recipe minisode because i feel like we might have to but i'm not on tiktok you're gonna have to dictate that (laughs) i'm you know very involved in the tiktok (laughs) hey kids (laughs) you're a youth correspondent (laughs) anyway should we rate this book let's rate this book just a little reminder on how we rate these books we rate the book out of five different categories those categories are Usability and accessibility, that's one. Uh, Ingredients used, aesthetics, is it veggie friendly and not so new anymore, but our most recent edition, which is inspirability, do we want to cook from it? And each episode, we choose a different rating system based on the book and its themes. So for Thomas Keller, we used squeezy bottles because he was obsessed with them. For uh, Nigel Slater, given a throwback, we did farmers markets. Oh, yeah. uh, and so for the joy of cooking, we are going to rate in cocans. Cocaines? Cocaines. Cocaines. So just to let you guys know, it's spot C O C K A I G N E. Yeah. I YouTubed it before this and she did say it was like co- cocaine. cocaine. People, you know, we're not talking about drugs here, just so people are no. aware. No, <laughs> we're, not that kind of show. we're unsure, you know, what it even is. It's like, a, I Googled to like understand like what, what it means. And it's like a utopia place, right? It's a utopia like place. <laughs> a term in medieval times that signified a mythical land of peace and plenty. Oh, well, there we go. We're writing out of mythical lands of peace and plenty or cocaines. Oh, I've just read something. Tell me. That the authors of this book named their country home cocaine. Oh. Yes. And then obviously they, they named their favorite recipes cocaine because they were cooking them up in the country house. Oh. All becomes fair. Probs should have had that at the start of the episode. Sorry, lads. But anyway, now you know. Now you know. <laughs> so how many cocaines are you giving the joy of cooking? Sorry, joy of cooking. <laughs> Lose that though. Sorry. No, I'm going to give joy of cooking... Four and a half cocaine. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> Please explain your answer. So usable and accessible. Very easy. Mm-hmm. There's no snobbery here. The ingredients, like we said, you probably have them. They're cheap or they're easy to find if you don't as well. So one point for that. I'm going to give it a point for veggie friendliness because whilst there is a lot of meat and like tongue and fish and shit like that, there there are veggie <laughs> things and also there's a 
lot of baking mm-hmm. evident in what we made. So I don't feel like, you know, us veggies are excluded here. Aesthetics, I'm going to give it a point. <laughs> wow. I really like the little drawings and I just like how retro it looks. And mm-hmm. also it's a kind of nostalgia thing as well because my mom had it on her cookbook shelf. Mm-hmm. I just like seeing it. So it's a point for aesthetics. And then I'm just taking a half point off for inspirability because like we said, some of the shit's weird. Um, <laughs> but, but some of it's, you know, like that whole southern baking section and some of it's weird that you want to cook it Mm. i think we could have like a really fun like retro yes dinner party and make some of the weird stuff i think we should do that yeah let's do that for sure four and a half four and a half cocaines out of five victoria what are you gonna give it i am going along a similar line i agree very usable accessible so that gets a point the ingredients again i didn't have to go off my way to get anything Mm -hmm. special so that gets a yes obviously with the caveat that yeah there's brains there's an aspic yeah. section there's yeah. stuff that but you're not going to cook that anyway so it doesn't matter yeah yeah i am going to take half a point off for aesthetics okay. because as we know i like pictures but a bit like some of the other giant books we've done it doesn't lend itself to pictures no. but i like the way that it's laid out and i like the sections and i love that menu section at the beginning yeah yeah and yeah, some of the little drawings are they're useful at times. A bit like Julia. When you need it, it's there. Yeah. A yes for veggie friendly because there is, like you said, there's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. And the sweet section is so huge. And then yeah, I'm taking half a point off for inspirability. Okay. Because but a bit like when we talked about the Cook's Companion, it doesn't feel yes. like something I'll be leafing through to be inspired by. But I'm not gonna give it away because Yeah. If we keep talking about the baking section, but like when you're like going out to meet people and you want to take something sweet or mm-hmm. you know, people are coming over and you want to have something in the house, like this is the perfect book to think, oh, what cookies can I make with stuff I've got in? Or Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I take half off. So it gets four cocaines from me. Ooh. So it's high. I do think everyone who enjoys cooking or is interested in food should have a copy of this because Mm. it's almost a moment in time that's captured with all the retro shit and everything and even though you never cook it it's just a fun book to have on your shelf yeah absolutely and definitely try and get yourself a secondhand one because I feel like based on what you said about the more recent ones I think these are probably a bit more of a joy (laughs) to cook from uh, and to read and whilst having ramen and stuff is nice then what about aspic you know so we loved it we loved it do you want to tell us about next episode's book yes where in the world are we going um we're back in the uk for this one i feel like when people ask me what books we're gonna do next this chef comes up quite a lot yeah a little bit vintage as well it's delia smith yay how to cook not how to eat that's because nigella, that's nigella another babe yeah so maybe by the end of this season have done like each country's most loved book cook's companion for australia joy of cooking for the u.s and i think how to cook is likely to be that for a lot of people in the uk yeah me too another big boy mine's arrived it's heavy because this was originally like three books right it's three different books and now you can buy them all in one we had this one at home when i was a kid so what's exciting about this one i think it came out in in my lifetime yes like i remember the hype about it do you yeah and i I remember my, my mom getting it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll get to think about my favourite Delia Smith moment when she's <laughs> shouting at the football. Let's be having you. <laughs> Big football fan ideals. Not enough babies called Delia these days. No, no. no. That's all. Well, on that note, this was great. We love you, Irma. We probably love you, Delia. TBC on your recipes, uh, but you'll find out next time.
And if we can find the recipes that we've cooked from Joy of Cooking, we'll pop them onto the website, thecookbookcircle.com. <laughs> we've got that. <laughs> we've got them there. We're not dropping that. That's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Cookbook Circle. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review as it helps others to find us. You can see how the recipes from this episode turned out on our Instagram, at Cookbook Circle. And if you make anything from the books we talk about, please don't forget to tag us. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.